Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Um, this week, we're sitting down, we're talking with my buddy, Brady Manriquez. And you know, it's funny, we when we started recording this podcast, like I had a whole thing in mind where Brady and I were just going to kind of like catch up and talk about the adventures we've we'd had this summer and and obviously we were going to mention uh my big adventure which was filming the Deseret stage race we were gonna talk about it a little bit but we weren't really gonna focus in on that um and then you know as we as the conversation progressed it was obvious like hey I apparently do have a lot of thoughts about this adventure and what I learned along the way and and kind of like where my headspace was um, stories from our crew um, and all of that so really like kind of by accident we accidentally made a podcast where it's kind of at least my perspective of the filming of the actual stage race um, and you know it's also weird because in the previous two runnings of this race where I participated and I ran it and I competed and all this stuff, um, afterwards I would do a couple episodes where I'd interview all the racers and we'd tell the stories from the race and the adventures that we had, um, over that week. And I realized like, I, I really want to do that. You know, I want to tell the, I want to interview all the racers and let them share their stories and whatnot. But it's weird this time because, you know, we're in the process of putting together a film about it. And so you can't really have the racers come on. You know, we talked to my friend Tim and my friend Phil beforehand, um, but you can't really have them come on afterwards or or any of the other racers we've, you know, we were we were out there filming. Like you can't have them come on afterwards because eventually you're going to put a film out about it. Um and you don't want to do like spoiler alerts and whatnot, you know? <laughs> uh, but I will just say this, like, and I say it a lot in this episode, but I, I truly and wholeheartedly believe it. Like the racers out there, it was so cool. Like seeing this event from the perspective of not only like a crew member, right? Like of the race, but like, I got to be out on the course with the rest of the film crew and we were like seeing people all over the place. Like we saw everybody throughout each day and we saw how their day was progressing. Um, and then we also saw them for f five separate stages and we saw them around camp and like it's, it was this really immersive experience. And I just want to say to all the racers, uh, like each and every one of you guys, like I truly was just a huge fan of you guys out there. Um, I've been riding a high since this race. Like I've been on cloud nine since that week going out and filming it. It was something I needed really badly after this last year of, you know, the pandemic and lockdowns and, and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, how it was for pretty much everybody, but like life was thrown a curveball for a year and I just needed that experience that like human to human connection and actually being out there in the wilderness away from technology and screens and stuff like I just I needed that and it's really fueled my soul uh, ever since the event I've really really enjoyed it um, and I just want to thank all the racers like thank you for letting us 
be a part of your experience. Thank you for letting us, um, you know, kind of jump in and, and watch your stories unfold and, and film you guys and interview, like interview people. Like you guys really made it special because you opened up and, you know, you really shared your insights and, and your struggles and, and the fun times and all of that. And I really, I felt a part of the race, which I wasn't sure if I would feel that way this time. Um, since we were like these weird outside observers, but I felt, I've still felt a part of the race, a part of the community. And, and I just, I can't say enough, like what this event has meant to me and what it meant to me to be out there this year, really like going after a lifelong dream of mine. Uh, it was, it was a lifelong dream. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's really, it's something I've really wanted to do. I think even without like putting the words out there, like I want to make a film. I think like, it's just a natural progression of telling stories on this podcast, falling in love with ultra running, being fascinated by people who are willing to go out there and endure these grueling long races and these grueling weather dude like oh man i i just can't wait for you guys to see it um but i'm like fascinated by all that and then doing the podcast you know how like listening to these stories like i really just wanted to like hopefully visually capture this and obviously like i don't have the technical expertise as much as others to like visually really really capture it um and our film crew was absolutely amazing. Like, you know, when you're starting something completely new that you've never done, surrounding yourself with people who are experienced and just, just, you know, they've done, they've done this before and they're calm and collected while you might be panicking. Like that is so, and they just know what to do with all the minutia that comes with, you know, doing a project like this, like it just built my comp, like my, my confidence for sure. Um, and I have to say like, after looking through all the footage at this point, like, dude, it looks awesome. So I'm, I'm super psyched. And even like right now talking with Paul, um, my buddy, Paul Shearing, like on the phone, like he's a storyteller, he's a masterful storyteller. And as we're kind of starting to sparse out like hey what's how do we capture this experience and really show it to people where it's going to capture the essence of what we went through that week um and you know being a storyteller like he just he's just wonderful dude i'm just blown away like that we're working with all these guys and i talk with them at length in this episode so i guess i should just say this right off the bat the episode is not a recap of the event um, I want to tell you all these amazing racers stories, but, uh, that just wouldn't be smart. We have a better way of telling it. You know, we have a, we have a visual way of telling it. Um, this episode really is a lot of things. One, it's, it really, out of every conversation Brady and I have had on this podcast, he was the first guest and he's been on a handful of times. Love the guy. He's one of my favorite person or people on the planet to have a conversation with. Um, but out of all of our podcast episodes, I would say this kind of actually captures what our 
phone conversations sound like like we'll call each other once a week or once every couple weeks and our conversations are all over the place they range from really serious to just really bizarre and reminiscing and you know just things like that so uh so i just love talking with brady and i think also just having an outsider perspective of someone who just wasn't there at all and it's just important for um someone asking questions it just makes the conversations go better um when it comes to this uh but i will say like this is just my personal experience and i wanted to let you guys know like where i'm com where i was coming from during the week um which we'll get into but like it really and kind of the epiphanies i've had which was surprising i didn't expect to really have a lot of epiphanies during desert rats this year since i wasn't running it um but dude that's just how life works you just don't know um when your eyes are going to be open to certain uh you know ideas about the world around you um but yeah, this is my perspective. At some point, like like I said, this was kind of an accidental. Let's talk for almost two hours about desert filming desert rats. But um, at some point, I want to talk with with the rest of the crew guys. Like, what were their experiences? You know, you know, Paul being the storyteller, James like just being an awesome director of photography, uh, my buddy Cornejo being a fellow first time filmmaker and then Thomas Mullins just showing up being a being a badass so um yeah I just I just want to hear their stories as well so I'm sure this is a long episode and there will be other ones in the future where we get to hear their perspectives um and I one last thing and I know this is a super long intro to an already long episode holy smokes what are you doing Chris what are you doing um I do want to just quick mention the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, if you guys supported this on Indiegogo, um, there will be more updates coming in the next few weeks. But, you know, there's with Indiegogo, there's all the perks and all that stuff. Like we will be working on that throughout this fall um, as we're also going through the editing process. Uh, just like anything, like this is a this is a process. Like filming it was almost seemingly like, the beginning of the whole battle <laughs> you know what i mean like now we have all the footage to um start parsing out as we figure out you know what what the story is and as we edit it and so this is a long process um you know it would you know there's a part of me that like wants everyone to see it right away like i want to share the footage i want to show you i want to tell you all about it um but i also think there's a lot to be said about just taking your time and doing it right and you know making sure it's the the best it can be which uh which after being at the race and after viewing the footage like i want to do the, every all these racers justice like they deserve it the course deserves it the coca pelli deserves it it's beautiful the race itself like so you know using our ultra running mindsets we're gonna we're gonna take our time we're gonna to get one step at a time. So, all right, enough of a 12 minute intro. Let's get into the episode. Um, like I said, this is kind of just a all over the place conversation with Brady Manriquez. Uh, it's about my experience from my perspective 
going out and filming the Deseret stage race. Uh, can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Let's go. Let me get let me get in my podcast mode, Brady. <clears throat> I won't look at you. <laughs> Lady, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this week we're, we have Brady Manriquez back on the show. He was just covering his face. It, we were playing peekaboo, I guess, over Zoom. Mm-hmm. That's how we started this. We're gonna get see where it goes. Dude, I haven't been on this in a. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, I was trying to think as a guest. I don't know if I sat in briefly. I don't know. Was it the was it you and Thad getting doing Boonville? I feel like that was the last time you were on the show, but then we also recorded one last summer when you were out here. And we did like you did half the episode and then Phil Pinty was on the other half. Mm -hmm. Which let's just start there, my man. You came out and you stayed at our house. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> while uh, I was out filming Desert Rats, which we're gonna talk a little bit about, I just want to preface this: like, we're gonna talk about the filming of the race um, a little bit. We're gonna have there's gonna be much more information coming out in the future about it. Like, we went out and we filmed Desert Rats stage race, um, but like, I I am just right now, currently today, have just gone through all the footage so i've seen all the footage now i've cataloged it all for our editor um but the actual like editing process itself is gonna be it's a process like it takes a while so just just reviewing all the footage painful not painful fun it was awesome dude i loved it like honestly i loved it because well and we can get into that but i i gotta see what the other guys filmed you know like when you're out there you see what Mm. you film and you can imagine based on what they're saying, but we were a film crew of five people. So we got to see. You had five cameras going. It's like We had four at most times, um, plus a drone. Plus we are, had guys with like, not like cameras on their shoulders, but like handheld and drone. Yeah. Um, okay. And Don't we had that. Thomas Mullins secret weapon who showed up and our editor showed up for a day. So he brought all of his stuff. So we just have a lot of like, this big hard drive of footage Mm. and it's going to just take a while to edit it all together. But like eventually, obviously on the podcast, I will be telling more information. I'm trying to put together a video and I haven't started yet, but a video of like some of the, like us filming stuff kind of deal, like behind the scenes. Yeah. To send out for all the people who supported the Indiegogo and, and stuff like that. So, um, but all that being said, more importantly, you were watching my house while we were filming Desert Rats. Yeah, kind of a crazy, I mean, you get the, the teacher lifestyle, so you get the summers off and you go do crazy road trips or whatever, and you just kind of like, beyond generous, offered up your house for a week for me to come stay at. And so um, last year, I, I sh- you did the same thing, and I showed up and I kind of treated it like a boot camp. I was just in pretty darn good running shape and was running like, close to 10 miles a day ish and uh yeah i just ran the hell out of all the everything that i could and made the most out of it this year i brought my girlfriend christy 
and it was a lot less like run every day focused and much more, you know, uh, COVID restrictions have loosened up a little bit. So we like, we got a beer with friends somewhere, which was nice on an outdoor area. Um, but it was great. I mean, we did a couple like hikes together. I woke up and did the Mount Galbraith morning. That's a great place to start your day, man. I saw bighorn sheep. That was awesome. On one of the, the Mount Galbraith runs, you just come, I'm coming around a corner. And I don't know, I just, all of a sudden there's a very stern, hard look, uh, face looking at me. And I realized there's a pair of uh, like, ho- like horns. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're horns, dude. Those circle horns that are like on the, the uh, LA Rams helmets. <laughs> I was trying to, I didn't know the word for it. And I didn't want to say circle horns. <laughs> so, so I'm glad you took the bullet on that one. But uh, hey, I have to say this, dude. I think bighorn sheep. And I think I saw that same one, dude. I've never seen them on Galbraith before. And I've been up there mm. so many times at this point. And I, I saw them like two weeks before you came out. And there was, there was like a whole pack of them. They all look kind of young, like kind of like the bighorn sheep I'd seen in the past. And around the corner though, like kind of apart from the group, but like almost like it was like watching over the group. I just saw this giant one mm. with humongous circle horns. <laughs> and I have to say like those rams are the most stern looking animals like you stern. And I'm like, I don't think there's a more stern looking animal at this point. <laughs> you, you seem silly by comparison. You're like, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> yeah. It's so serious. You're like, I'll trying get my to... act together. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my act together. Big horn sheep. I'm sorry, sir. He just, full judgment face uh what are we talking about no. <laughs> just i i want to the point i'm trying to make is you got to meet phil pinty in person oh well yeah we got a it, it was nice that sunday just <laughs> i don't know if he quite had a plan for how he was going to get back to the denver airport after desert rest but he, he found a way i think another that's what racer, he does man he finds a way i there's another racer that kind of like said yeah take my car new guy i just met this week uh that's what deseret does man lamar lamar gave him his car and that's (laughs) what it does you meet you don't know anybody i i've I've said this so many times about this race so i I feel bad repeating myself but it's just fascinating to me like sunday night you show up you don't know any of these people and then by saturday you're like yeah you can definitely take my car and stay at my house for a little while (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, I think the – I've tried to get people to like UFC because I really like to watch the UFC as a sport. And if I just say, hey, there's this fight on, let's watch this fight, not a lot of interest. It's pretty brutal. Tough sport to just, like, jump into. But if that same person, I have them, like, watch the the run-up uh, promotional videos that they do where they go and, like – into the different people's camps and the training that they did. And you see their families and you hear about like their hardship and their story. Then you suddenly like, you're like, I like that guy. I want that guy to win. And then you can enjoy the sport a little bit more. Yeah. I got a feeling, you know, you get to see everyone's backstory uh, at desert rats and hear, just figure out who, what they're like, their philosophy, their sense of humor. Um, you get to watch someone like really bite down on the mouthpiece on a day that was tough like you end up rooting for a bunch of people and I'm sure that they appreciate man, it. 
every you appreciate someone trying to pick up your spears, especially when you're low. You try to pay it back too. You try to pay it forward, that kind of thing. I have to imagine it's it's a multiplier effect over multiple days too. Yeah, because it's like you guys got through day one together, then you got through day two. That fifth day, it's like yeah, we we've gone through some some stuff <laughs> in the last few days. Um, Dude, that's yeah. exactly it, and it's that plus the plus the like you're just stripped down bare because it's so difficult and there's no distractions at all. Like you can't, there's no point of getting on your phone cause your phone doesn't work out there. You know what I mean? So like you are stripped down bare. You're having these really like open, honest conversations. Like people are seeing you for who you are at your core and at your soul. And at least from my experience doing this, like people are awesome at their core and at their souls. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, that's a different different um, experience levels too. I'm sure too. Like, someone may be like fully shocked. This is probably like deeper water than they've ever been in. They they maybe bit off more than they can chew, but they could also sit next to someone that's like actually kind of prepared for what this experience is. They've been there before. Yeah, and they have a different way of handling and like dealing with what's coming at them through the den those two people sit, can sit next to each other in like lawn chairs afterwards. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And then I don't know. I don't, are people really, are people asking about other people's days and talking about it? Oh yeah. All the time. Down, you're kind of breaking down the whole day at, at camp each night and really like hearing the, the daily drama or. It's like, kind of like that. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, that is for sure happening. I, there's a lot of just like laughter too. It's just like, Hey, look at what we just did. They share like a crazy story and then everyone just starts laughing at it. Like what, what is happening? You know what I mean? Did you feel like you had to, um, you kind of also had a bit of a marathon to like always be filming from the moment the first racer is like awake to the moment the last racer is asleep. Are you like, or you're like, you know what? I think we got enough. I got to go to bed. Because I got to do this all again tomorrow. Yeah, man. Well, I I guess we can start. We can just dive in, dude. Like, so this was my first experience doing anything like this. And imagine, and you know, because we talk on the phone all the time, but it's like, there was like a year lead up into this, you know? And then if you think about me actually doing Desert Rats those two years, there's like a four year lead up to the (laughs) start, to the start of this project, (laughs) you know? And knowing that we were going to go out and film it, that was like a year where I knew we were going to do that, do it, but I had no idea how, and I had no idea who was going to help, you know, and I I just knew there were steps I had to take. I just didn't know what those steps were yet. You know what I mean? (laughs) Did this, did this happen? I guess I don't know if you, I don't know if I recall you telling me when, like, did you just say, man, I really wish I could go back and film that. And you had that idea. It, It came from a conversation with somebody. And then you're like, dang, it would be cool to, to film that. Like, where does that original filmness idea pop in? Yeah, it was with just me and my friend Paul talking. Um, he kind of brought up the idea. He had wanted to do like an adventure documentary. He's been interested in doing documentaries lately. And he wanted to do an adventure documentary. And so we were just talking on the phone, catching up and stuff. He's like, hey man, if you talk to anyone on your podcast who you think would be interesting or who's doing something, you know, 
an interesting thing, let me know. And uh, maybe we can do it. Maybe I can do an adventure documentary. And I was like, dude, why wouldn't you just go back to desert rats and film that? Um, we know all the, we know the crew, we know the trail, you know what I mean? Like we have the experience of actually doing it. And he's like, Ooh, he's like, he's like, what if we go back and film? And I was like, what? And then, and then I was all in from that point. I was like, let's go, dude, let's do this, man. So, but I, I want to say like, it's a, it was a year leading into it. Then we filmed it for a week, which was like an unbelievable experience. And then it's going to be like another, at least another year after getting it all ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a long wait, I'm sure. Well, it's weird. Yeah. Like seeing the footage now, I'm like, oh my God, like, I just want to, everyone to see this. I want to rush through it. You know, I want to put it all together. Um, But I know like, that wouldn't do its service. You know what I mean? I want to jump on here and just explain to you all the stories that we're going to tell. You know, I want to do that, but it's not going to do the actual story service in the best way possible, which is by like putting this whole thing together in a way Mm -hmm. that's that, that tells the story of what we experienced that week. You know, it's gotta be tough too. I mean, editing is its own art form. Dude, it's nuts, man. I'm, that's why I'm cataloging the footage and we're sending it to our, our editor, Josh, and he's putting it together. Dude, I have, to, I have to call you out, man. Are you drinking a White Claw? No. I mean, I have visual proof. This thing records video. He is. Yeah. He's drinking it. Well, I'm drinking a, a bubbly water deal. Say the name of it. Topo Chico. Here we go. Dude, what happened to us, Brady? We got soft. <laughs> we got soft, man. You're like walking a dog named Paisley now, wearing like a buttoned-up shirt. I'm drinking sparkling water with the hint of pamplemousse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what? No, we used to be. We used to be hard, dude. Me and you. Yeah, definitely. That's that's <laughs> absolutely hard as nails over here. Um. Anywho, I had to call you out though because I was like, "Man, I've never actually like sipped a white claw before." You don't but, really drink. I mean, get with it. This just been around for a little while. I know, There's but no laws when you're drinking white claws. You that's know that like phrase? a yeah. I I don't know that phrase, but I you do know that yeah. there's there's you an amazing little kids too much, man. You gotta like get some adult friends and you know? <laughs> and ones that aren't you know in motion constantly, you know. <laughs> Sit down and have a drink once in a while. <laughs> well, there's a guy, there's a super good uh, ultra running podcast called The Adventure Jogger, and it's hosted by Ryan Pluckelman. And I had him on the show, and he's a, the biggest proponent of White Claw. Like, I think he's boosted their sales, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and they do the White Claw Mile. Actually, we should do this, Brady. Oh, it's wait, like a virtual dude. thing. Okay. Yeah. And it's every coming lap, up. You have to, every lap, you got to drink another White Claw. So you yeah. have four yikes. Let's uh, do it. Burping. Okay. <laughs> that should that should be on the shirt. That's a lot of burping. That's a lot of burping. <laughs> Just uh, uh. Um, but yeah, man. Listeners, I'm sorry. It's gonna be more of this. There's you think this it's getting better. It's not. It's just going to be a lot of this. <laughs> oh, I have so many. I have questions for you too, since you missed our sports movie episode and you turned oh. your jersey in so Brandon Sweat could climb That's in. Right. 
um, but yeah, dude, I, I don't know, man. The whole experience was, it's hard. It's really hard to kind of describe beyond the like basic idea of like, it was a complete adventure and I've been such a fan of this race and the people's like, I loved when I did the race, I loved hearing everyone's story. I loved sitting back at camp and people coming in and tell, saying what was hard. Like I ran out of water at this spot, but I powered through and like, that was so inspirational to me. Um, and really something like, like I looked up to, I looked up to everyone those first two years at Deseret's, like they were my heroes, you know, like they truly were, I was sitting there and I got to hear these stories and I'm like, man, these people are like super human for sure. And for, for this year to actually go out and see a lot of the story, you know, like I got to actually be there for it and I got to mm-hmm. not only hear about it, but I got to see it and I got to experience it. And granted, I didn't get to experience it. Obviously, like I'm not with a person the whole entire 38 mile day or 42 mile day, yeah. but I got to see every person out on the course. And I saw some real hardships, like real hardships, dude. And I mean, I just like Phil Pinty, dude, I saw that guy at his lowest moment during the week. And I mean, he's, he's my hero now. Like it's, it's that like I left the week and even now, like watching the footage, I'm like, dude, he's, he's one of my heroes. Like that was insane. Like that was, yeah. The And it was just from that perspective, it was it was an experience I don't think a lot of people would be able to have like in like endurance sports, you know, like to go out and actually like be a part of it and like be a part of it with like, I'm the person trying to see the story here, you know, like it was just really interesting. I think it's funny because um, hearing, like, I don't know. I think if you were describing some of the toughest races you ever did, I think you talked about one that was like, freezing cold rain throughout the entire thing at one yeah. point that in like did something you've raised, but like, I there's like words really just don't do it justice. And so you're telling me about it. And I'm just like, Oh, I guess it was cold and wet. Like, I just don't understand truly like how difficult it was. And it's like trying to share your, like a dream you had with someone. It just doesn't get conveyed correctly. But if you can, I'm, I'm hoping the different angles and the different um, filming that y'all did, maybe you can really show like, what it's like to be out there for five days and go through hell and back, you know, yeah, to get man. across the, the finish line. Hopefully yeah. you guys can convey all that. Did you feel, uh, well, just in the, the day before you guys are dry, you're driving out there with all the gear that you have to, to accomplish filming bikes and GoPros and whatever you've got going on. I don't know everything that you pack in, but like, are, do you have butterflies at all in the day before? Like, oh, really going to do this uh, or or you like butterflies isn't the way to describe it is it just ex- nervous excitement at all it's definitely ner- dude it's definitely nervous excitement i mean yeah. honestly the whole experience leading up to it i was like we're not going to get this filmed like there's so much negative chatter that goes through your brain when you're trying to uh to do something that you've dreamed about doing. Um, I read this book, I'm sure you've heard of it, it's called The War of Art by mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield. Pressfield. And he talks, yeah, he talks about the resistance, right? And so 
I read this book probably like two months beforehand, just as a reminder, like I had already read it before, but it's like super quick read, totally suggested to anybody. Um, but it's all about battling the resistance when it comes to art or really anything you you want. When you visualize your life, what do you, what you want to do with it or an experience you want to have, there are so many things that come in to stop you from doing that. And all of it's in your own mind, like honestly, like most of, I mean, not all of it, but most of it of things that would end up stopping you is your own self-doubt and your own inner resistance. Um, and I think just recognizing that really helped because I, there were definitely many moments where in my mind it was like, well, I was, I think I was probably telling you at some point, it's like, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, dude, I got this. Oh man, I got this. This is going to be great. And then like, 10 minutes later, my inner chatter would be like, oh my gosh, dude, there's no way this works. Everything's, you're going to mess up everything. Like <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Uh, like you've never done this before. Like all of that, dude, it was, it was, I'm so glad for this experience for many reasons, but that's a huge part. Like I got to battle that inner resistance, not just for a race this time, but for something that lasted months and still yeah. is going on, honestly. You know, and one of the things that gets said a lot, but I don't know if I really believe it, is like, no, if you can learn how to battle through this and endurance race, you can apply it in other areas of your life. Exactly. You know, there's these lessons that can be learned and apply to these other things. And like, people like to say that a lot, but to Including hear an me. actual like account of that happening um, is, is like that. It's nice to hear that, okay, this exact same concept at play right now, but the medium is filmmaking, you know, trying yeah. stepping outside your comfort zone into that. Well, and like, yeah, dude, I've been that guy saying that, like, I've learned all these things. Like I'm going to apply them to my yeah, life. You might be the person I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I probably am. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, and it's funny. Cause you're like, I'm going to apply them to my life, but you always apply, you, like you do apply them. Like I'm not just bullshitting. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, but you, you do There's apply like other them. aspects of running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you apply them to things that you're comfortable doing, you know, like you apply them to your job, you apply them to your relationships, you apply them, you know, to being a dad and things like that, which are all great things. Like I'm glad I get to apply these lessons to those areas of my life, mm -hmm. but those are all areas that are already established, you know? And for this thing, it was like, I'm going to apply it to something like I legitimately have never done. And I don't really know if I can do it. And I'm going to apply the same lessons that I learned by taking on ultra running to that. Um, and that was cool. Like that was, I'm glad I did that. I'm actually like kind of proud that I was able to step outside my comfort zone and really I don't know, put my money where my mouth is basically. Yeah. No. Yeah. In a big way too. Not in like a, you know, small changes are good too, but like this is a big, this is a big commitment to try to take on. Like you said, many, many uh, years in the making. Dude, if um, I wasn't 100% passionate about it, I, I couldn't have even made it to the point where we filmed anything, you know, let alone like now, like I just went through all the footage in like, <laughs> like two and a half weeks yeah. Are you, is your brain a little fried? From My it? brain's a little fried. Yeah. yeah. My brain is definitely fried, <laughs> right. but it was so much, it was awesome. It was hard, like even going through it and just cataloging it. Well, I, I wanted to mention this, like, it's just funny the things 
that you've done in previous jobs that you didn't realize were actually skills you would have in the future, you know? Mm. So yeah. as I'm cataloging all the footage, which is just a lot of like being on the computer, yeah, describing stuff, what happened, here's this. Mm. Um, I realized that when I coached freshman football, we had to film the varsity games mm-hmm. and then we had to catalog what each play was. Oh, that's and hilarious. I was like, this is the same thing. You're like, this is oddly familiar. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't mean to like, I'm not trying to like harp on a negative thing. I'm just curious. Anytime you know a thousand percent more now about filming a documentary in practical, real ways than you did when you started. But knowing what you know now, is there anything that you're like, you know what, knowing what I know now, I wish I would have just, we would have uh, invested in a little moped or like to get from to and from, or like is knowing what I know now about lighting in the morning versus the evening. I, I don't know. Is there anything that you know now that you would have done differently? You're asking super technical questions, my man. Is and this here's, too technical? I don't know. <laughs> well, here's how I approach this whole thing is get a team together where people are going to know how to do this. You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. I was I was the guy filming more up close with a GoPro mm-hmm. and my iPhone. I, I mean, I just right now I should probably like say like not only were the people that worked on this the four of us or five of us not only were they like just incredible at their jobs and i'm like blown away that they even agreed to like work with some dude who just know like you know what i mean like that never yeah. done this before yeah so not only that but they were just amazing wonderful human beings that i'm just happy to spend time with like it was yeah. so much fun man like first of all, Paul, like, obviously I had known him. If you listen to the episode I did with Paul, like he's an incredible, like he's a screenwriter, he's directed, he's produced, he's like done all these things for like so many years at this point. Um, and it was so cool. Like, dude, I was just like, I'm so honored to be working with this guy right now. Like it was, that was just such a wonderful, weird, part of the experience where I'm like, I don't know how, like, I, I remember the steps that led here, but like, this is crazy. This is wild, you know? And I just, I love that guy so much just as a human being. What, you know? What's Paul's last name again? Uh, Shearing. Shearing. Yeah. Who were the other, the, you said there's like four or five? Who yeah. The other and so, I'm curious. so I knew Paul obviously going in, um, you know, um, but the other guy, uh, James Adamson, who just, he's had all this experience making adventure films and he's just a filmmaker. He was our director of photography. Uh, he had filmed Kate Boyle on the Cocopelli set in the FKT last year. Um, And that's kind of how I got introduced. So it was just, you know, that was how I got introduced to him because I interviewed her and she was like, Hey, uh, these guys filmed a documentary about this. And I was like, oh, no way. And I was like, we're going to film a documentary and we need a director of photography. Uh, um, but he had the know-how, dude. And he like had had this, um, he has a super cool van with all the stuff in it, dude. Like his whole livelihood's in that. And there were moments, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say moped. He had a straight up motorcycle. Um, 
I think I accidentally called it a moped once and he drove away and I'm like, God, I'm a jackass. Why did I say <laughs> freaking moped? What an idiot. Um, yeah. Idiot. Oh God. He's going to think I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he had, dude, he has all that. He has the know-how he's been on like thousands of shoots at this point. You know what I mean? Like doing all sorts of stuff. And, um, and he even let me drive that van, dude. Cause he would leave on his motorcycle down the trail. We covered pretty much the whole entire Cocopelli trail, except for maybe like nine miles of it. Um, with the areas we were in filming stuff with between all of us, obviously. Um, and most of that was because there was a couple sections in my mind, we were just going to skip, but he had the motorcycle. And so oh, yeah. he just took off with that and Super mobile. his I mean, that's drone awesome. and his nice camera and stuff like that. Anyways. Um, so, and so he'd leave and then I got to drive his van. And one of the times he let me drive his van was down this like super shitty road. And it was like <laughs> an hour long really drive. Yeah. Down onion Creek. If anyone's been in Moab, uh, in castle Valley, and it's just drive down Onion Creek, dude. And it is gnarly. And the whole time I'm driving this van, sweaty palms and all. And I'm just like, I'm just like, this is this man's livelihood in this van. He's letting me drive it, which is nuts. Um, James, you fool. <laughs> you fool. What are you doing? <laughs> you fool. But I mean, one of my favorite things to come out of this whole entire experience is like he, he obviously like signed on for the job. We had talked on zoom beforehand and all of this, but to spend a week in the desert with, with James and really like, I, I mean, it's just like, I made a new friend. Like I, yeah. I really truly love this guy. Like he's an awesome dude. He, it, he's so much fun to work with like it was just that good vibes going on that whole time between everybody on the crew all the racers like it's the good vibes of desert rats like he's mm. he's in a different role but he is part of this race now you know what yeah. i mean and yeah. and it was really cool because i think you know i think he signed on because i don't know why he signed on i should ask him at some point <laughs> but but I think part of it was like, he likes the Coca Pelli. Part of it was probably like, yeah, these guys seem like nice guys and they're obviously putting in work and stuff, but to get out there and one to become friends, but also at the end of the second day and all I'm going to say, I'm not going to spoiler alert anything, but the second day was bananas, dude. It was pure carnage. Uh, we had a code word for our film crew and we would just, call it carne asada um so no one knew and we're like is there going to be carne asada tomorrow yes there is there's gonna be so much carne asada it's gonna be nuts but the temperatures dude it was the hottest day i've ever experienced in life like (laughs) i was trying to think not just out on the course but like in my own life that was the hottest day hands down and so it was just pure chaos and all of this anyways i see james towards the end of that day and he just kind of looks frazzled and i'm like we're all tired and stuff as well obviously not as much as the racers our heroes who ran this whole entire thing uh it's 38 miles that day and he just looks at me and i'm like what's up dude are you okay and i kept being like this to the crew i kept being like have you peed 
Like I kept saying that to the crew because I was like, you gotta right. make sure because dude, you, we were super dehydrated. Like we had to make sure we we're taking care of ourselves too. <laughs> so I was just walking up to everyone. And my first question would be like, have you peed yet? And it was like, <laughs> I haven't peed for six hours. You know, it's like, and it was uh, dad mode, you know, comes in handy for this too, I guess. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, he was like, yeah, dude, like I'm fine with that. But I was like, what's up? And he goes, I get it now. He's like, I understand what you were, what you were talking about when you were talking about this race. Like, he's like, I've cried like four times today. I've gotten goosebumps so many times that I'm like, yeah, I'm like, me too, man. Like, isn't this insane? And he's like, yes. Day two was an epic, crazy day. It's that, but it's just like, it's, I mean, I've tried to explain it. Like everybody at that race is a character. Like everybody is. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what brought, like there's 30 people here. Why are they doing this? You know, like this is pretty crazy. What are their stories, you know? And then to watch them like actually battle through something like that, like that day was, it was like a blow dryer was blowing on you from every single direction and you just Uh, couldn't escape it. There was no escape. You're like, uh, that's like almost claustrophobic thinking about that. Just like, that pressure, that that weight, being able to like move through the air comfortably, yeah, that's, oh yeah, overwhelming. And it was like water was not just warm. Like I was trying to tell Lindsay this. We were hiking yesterday. Um, it was, uh, you know, we were hiking the other day. We had like a water bottle. It was like kind of cool, I would say, and like yeah. getting to be warm. Yeah, I was like, this is cool there are warm water bottles and at deseret like it was legitimately hot like everything you drank was hot you couldn't escape the hot everything you ate was hot like you just and there was so much carne asada dude so (laughs) much i want to go i want to like i don't i know what direction you're going a little bit but i just okay paul was screenwriter director producer because he's like kind of the director james is the director of photography Cool motorcycle, cool band that he trusted you with. I mean, just the coolest. I I want to say this about James before we move on, <laughs> and I hope he listens. <laughs> okay, I There's hope that he, I hope he, is he pissed at me for my uh, <laughs> what I just said. No, no, no. Um, this guy. So one, he wore this like flat build hat the whole time, uh-huh. and like we had <laughs> met him like a month and a half earlier because we filmed some stuff, you know. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, whoa, like that's just his style choice. Like he's just cooler than me. Cause I don't think I can pull off a flat build hat, you know, like he's just a cool dude. And then I realized like towards the end of the week, like it's not just a style choice for the flat because it's kind of popped up too. And I was like, Oh, he's like a mountain biker. Like that's what mountain bikers wear. They're cooler than all of us, you know? And and I realized halfway through the week, I was like, oh, that's not a style choice. That's so he can film. Like, he has yeah. to pop the hat up. Yeah. <laughs> but he'd always wear his hood. Like, we're in the desert and you got to cover up, dude. I'm telling you, like, every part of your body needs to be covered up with some sort of, like, white deserty. I, shirt. I, I imagine just, like, the, the white long sleeve, I imagine to be hotter than i'd want it to be and i'd be like oh man you want to go sleeveless but like i would be dead if i did that right like it's pretty rough 
Yeah, dude. You know, you got like even like leggings too. People use like white leggings. I, no? People have. I don't think many people did, but it's just like your skin actually absorbs way more heat than a white shirt does. So even though it feels kind of hot because you have long <laughs> sleeves on, like you have to wear them. And everyone had like, like we. I had this shirt, and I'd pull, or James would pull his hood up, right? This like deserty sun shirt. Pull the hood up, have the hat, right? And so by like the fifth day, I was like in his van. We we're talking about like some footage he had shot. And I just looked over at him and I had the hat and the hood up and he had the hat and the hood up. And we were like finishing each other's sentences then. And I was just like, this is ridiculous, dude. We, we spent way too much time together this week. <laughs> and it was that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's my favorite memories from you know yeah like that's that just kind of that's just like stuff. goof around that's just the fun that happens in between things like yeah that's great but um but yeah so the rest of our crew was uh i guess we'll we'll go with we'll go with chris cornejo in a second and it'll kind of i'll, I'll explain more about that in a second um okay. but uh so Thomas Mullins, uh, who I just interviewed on the podcast, mm -hmm. he showed up and he kind of like fit in as like a Swiss army knife. Like we needed him for a lot of stuff. Like former um, racer, Phil Pinty's hero. My what hero, everyone's, everyone's hero. hero. Okay. Just, yeah. Just, uh, he pulled in and I didn't tell the other guys that he was going to show up. And so we're just eating dinner the night before the race. And all of a sudden you just hear this Texas drawl. He's like, Hey guys. And those like, and I, I knew cause I'd been texting him, but Phil and Paul didn't know. And they lost their freaking minds in this <laughs> restaurant. Like people in the restaurant, I don't know what they thought was going on, but it was screaming, like yelling at the top of your lungs. This is like an Applebee's. Like where, what is this? No, it's like a pasta. It was pasta J's dude in Moab. It was like pasta place. And, okay. uh, everyone's they're losing their minds though. Like no joke. <laughs> All the other patrons are like, should we call the police? And What's then they happening? hug each other violently. Like, <laughs> like a man hug, but like extra man, a yeah. man hug with extra man, you know? And they're yeah. like, like shaking each other and yelling. <laughs> and um it was, that also was one of my favorite moments. Like that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. But just having thomas out there and you know like the first year i did desert rats it was thomas paul and i in a tent and then phil was also there so us four mm -hmm. it was just awesome dude like i love I, that you got to do the surprise reunion like that you know there's a surprise showing up and well and you watch. that's pretty great yeah and that's and i think phil might have mentioned like hey man like he mentioned to some of the other racers who were at that dinner he was like that reaction that you saw was, mm -hmm. was after like, was for a guy I knew for six days. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is interesting. And you met him for six days the year before it's been almost a year. It's been a year since you've seen him. Yeah. And then it's that. That's, and then yeah, it's that's that reaction. Testament to like how much you like a guy from desert rats it's a testament to what this does though like mm -hmm. in my opinion like it is like obviously we talked about getting the car and getting a car from somebody afterwards but it's testament well, it's like supercharging friendship it's like hey well you know what sinks friendships in it's like you know going through you know you're, you're you're there for your friend when they got like a you know a loss in the family 
Like you're there for them when they, uh, I don't know, compete in something that they really care about. Like it's a fa- it's a hitting the fast forward and hitting the multiplier on that in a very short period of time in a very intense, like probably tra- traumatic way. Honestly, some days or like, but yeah, I it make <laughs> of course it makes sense. And then you get a, a personality like a Phil who we know is the man. And like, he's got to have big, he has big reactions, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's, hurt, it's Hurricane Phil. Yeah. So Thomas was there. <laughs> it was just so much fun. I learned so much once again from Thomas Mullins. But so like, was Thomas, like, in what capacity was he helped? He just another set of eyes with a, with a camera and like getting additional footage and yeah. interviews and that kind of thing. He like helped in that way. He helped film. He filmed some stuff. He uh, was there to another vehicle. So then all of a sudden now we had three vehicles uh, on the course, but he also worked with the crew of the race itself. Like he would set up camp and tear down camp and, and all of that too. And he brought, and he brought beer. So that was cool. Uh, that was actually kind of, you know what this guy rules this guy's really uh yeah. i like this guy with the white claws in the bunch or like what's there's on? no white claws in the bunch though man we're oh, we were okay. in the desert well, so room for improvement yeah, yeah but you don't want to disrespect the desert with white claws you know what i mean no i don't you gotta you you don't <laughs> like the desert would actually turn on you at that point hey chris yeah it's just a hard seltzer you know what i mean <laughs> hard seltzer <laughs> to be fair we were we were totally having like uh lacroix and like bublés and uh <laughs> and stuff like that. and and the c plus version which are the water loos of oh, the yes. bunch like the d minus yes. version of really? Bublés. oh that's yeah. so funny. i mean <laughs> uh but anyway so yeah so thomas was there and then i i have to say i have to tell this story so our editor um josh uh what's josh's last name good question no i don't i've oh. never i've never said it out loud that's the problem here. oh is it a tough one are you gonna guess on a on a the, i'm gonna, gonna guess. put the emphasis on the wrong syllable <laughs> that's exactly oh, what's one cool. choir teacher said that once and i'll never forget it and i always use it it's one of the corner things i say that's actually pretty good though i like it emphasis in the wrong syllable it sounds like a teacher I mean, like in the back of their pocket joke. Yeah. Josh Drage. I'm saying it wrong and I feel like a jackass. But you know what's funny is he called me uh, like a couple weeks after the race and was like, dude, I just realized I don't know what your last name is because he was sending me a (laughs) package. And I'm like, I just was like, this is amazing. Like, I love this because it doesn't matter what my last name is. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it doesn't. We're just, we're doing this thing together. It's pretty cool that there is just like that. I don't know. I, I'd be dragged. Some people live in yes. Other people need to be dragged and pushed into yes. It's nice that you've got these this many guys that are just said yes on this crazy project. Yeah. This thing that was like, hey, we're just throwing this together. Yeah. Yes, I will be a part of it. Well, so. I, one yeah. of the things I was like excited for you, like as I'm hearing a little bit about this, we're talking on the phone. Getting like little updates here there, and um, you know after you you went a little bit radio silent after the fact, which I think was kind of a cool move too to go on vacation with the fam. But one of the things I got excited for was when you said that your editor Josh was able to actually like come out yes. and see because it's one thing to be shipped 
all of that footage yeah and have like a phone conversation or a zoom conversation but like, so here's kind of like what happened and here's kind of what we're thinking to actually be there in person and see it man that's i feel like he's gonna have a much better perspective on story having been there i i yeah. can't imagine that would hurt that has to only help well and that was i mean that's one of my other favorite things that happened that i totally set up as a surprise but um josh i met him because his best friend tim was doing the race and tim's like my running buddy in town here oh. um and tim had just happened to mention i was telling him about the project probably talking his ear off about it he's he was probably so over it by the time we were actually filming because <laughs> every time we'd run i would just talk but i was like dude i'm the next step is we need an editor yeah. i don't know you know i I will figure it out, I guess. But, and he goes, you know, my best friend is an editor in LA. And I was like, what? No way. And so he connected us and stuff. And then we formed a mutual friendship of making fun of Tim, which was fun on the that's phone. Good. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's yeah. A good starting point. <laughs> and, but Josh was like, yeah, man, I'm actually driving out there in July. And I was like, to Golden, Colorado by me. And he's like, and I was like, huh. I'm like, what day? And he told me the day and it was one of the days of the race. It was actually the day of the, the ending. Like it was the night of the expedition day, the 42 mile day. And I was oh, like, gosh. dude, what if instead of camping where you're going to camp, what if you just camp with us at our race, you get to see the race. And then we both came up with the evil plan to not tell Tim, like, don't tell Tim though. And it can be a surprise. Oh, we have another surprise showing of a Right. Person? I'm holding him out my sleeve. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so Tim finished, and I didn't get to see it because I was out on the course, but Tim finishes that last day. Mm -hmm. um, and he comes in, just did a really hard thing, 42 miles after three other days of running, essentially, including mm -hmm. a couple, like, including an ultra. And he looks up and sees his best friend who didn't <laughs> expect to be there. And I was like, ah, oh, I just that's got chills, man. That's like, awesome. Yeah. So Josh got to come out and then we kidnapped Josh, took him up the, up into the mountains. So we got to see the runners running by and actually like relooking at the footage. I'm so glad he showed up, dude. He got so much that we wouldn't have got because he wow. was at camp. And when this crazy thing, like crazy thing happens, uh, and then that was me not. I, 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 all I wanted is like, just tell me the crazy. I know. Um, and he ah. just got, he knows how to use, like he's a filmmaker too. Like, dude, he's mm -hmm. done all sorts of editing. So he, yeah. he knows how to like use GoPros way better than me. Set up this really cool time lapse and all this stuff. So I'm just That's like crazy. super psyched that he was there um, for that. Uh, but yeah, and then the last person on the crew, last but never least, okay. is also a newbie filmmaker with me. Uh, it is my fellow seventh grade science teacher, Chris Cornejo, the guy who basically, uh, we're the same human being. Like, I was gonna say, let me guess, the guy who basically, you've talked his ear off about this for the last few years, he's like, well, what am I gonna do? Not participate? I've been hearing about this, I wanna go see it. It's not just that, but it's like, I mean, part of our meetings, I won't say most of our meetings every day, but part of our meetings are always talking about movies, you know, 
Like, you know how, like, the way we communicate to each other is through movies where we mm-hmm. talk about scenes and stuff. And he used to work in a video store in the 90s. Like, he was basically Dante and Randall from Clerks. <laughs> like, and so he was, like, <laughs> super excited, you know, to help out. And he did a whole bunch of filming, too, because we had a few GoPros going. And, um, I mean, some of the stuff he got. But, uh, <clears throat> um on the very so the very first day we head out well actually i should say this too that this is me just putting my memories down on a podcast so i can listen back and smile yeah not a bad not a bad way to do it man <laughs> yeah because I, I uh so on the drive out there to fruta because we went out a couple of days before and camped and stuff and like get in everything prepared mm-hmm. and for the first like two days when we we're actually like not out in the desert when we we're actually ordering food at places we just kept ordering the same meals it was weird but it was basically like he would order something i'm like that's the exact same thing and the exact sides i was gonna order and so you know it's not it's not that crazy chris you're both probably health conscious and getting something good you know like good on it wasn't health conscious you know dude it was like barbecue you know i know it's not that serendipitous it's just two dudes that ordered. Well, then it, beca- then it became a joke though. <laughs> then it just became a joke. And, yeah. uh, but, um, <clears throat> so the first day we, <laughs> balls here. the first Chris, day, I'm sure, Cornejo, I'm sorry. I'm sure it was uh, magical and yeah. cool. <laughs> the first day, actually we went before the race started, we interviewed, like we did like 10 interviews outside and dude, for whatever reason, like the interviews themselves were way more exhausting than even like biking 20 miles and like really? doing any of that stuff. Like, I don't know. It was, and it was like a hundred degrees. So that didn't help. I do, can you tell me, I don't really, I'm like trying to avoid any kind of spoilers. I know a little bit, but like, you want to talk at all about the weather for the week? I also wanted to ask now, uh, I, I have to imagine like all the, the negative self-talk. I'm like, you don't even know what you're doing. Uh, I imagine part of that uh, in the lead up and the nervous anticipation was the fear that something technical was going to like take a shit on the day. And there's like, we have no cameras, we have no sound, but we can draw pictures with crayons. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have any worries about that because I knew that I had full 100% confidence. You got a good crew. I forget that like you've got the experiences in other people's here. that's what i'm saying man i feel like i mean and this is the other thing like putting lessons into play like i teach a leadership class and i think a, i think this was also a test for me to see if i could apply some of those lessons and i think the biggest lesson is like hey fit, find a team that people are going to complement each other's strengths yeah. and weaknesses you know what yeah. i mean and mm-hmm. i i'm so like I, I can't express enough just how much I'm thankful for all of those guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we did the interviews the first day of actual of like the actual race though. I mean, Chris and I took off down the hill, uh, to the bottom. We were going to film under this bridge. People were going to jump in a Creek. Like, mm-hmm. it was, and it was like a party down there, dude. And I'm like, first day, everyone's loving it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's just like an absolute, blast and the whole time we're just getting so so excited because we're like we're doing it we're like setting up shots and like you know we're we're being filmmakers like we were on cloud nine dude like on cloud nine um and i think maybe you know 
like obviously you know what happened but we get back to camp the race finishes that day and uh chris gets a call from his wife um and one of our coworkers was shot and killed um that day uh it was yeah it's it's it was a complete shock to the system. Um, it was our school, uh, resource officer, um, Gordon Beasley. And it's hard to really like, it's hard to really express what a beacon of light this, this guy was like to every single person. He was like, honestly, the greatest, nicest, most inclusive, calmest dude funniest like he became a cop to be a school resource officer um you mentioned that that he didn't he didn't even really have to do that he just wanted to be in that position around the kids yeah well i think he i don't know why he became a cop but i think once he discovered being a school resource officer that was he was like this was it this is my calling Mm -hmm. like he was a beacon of light to our school to our community like he uh he would like buy like a kid got his bike stolen and he Beasley went out and bought him a new bike like I mean and this is one of like thousands and thousands of stories of 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 what makes this guy an amazing human being I personally just looked forward to talking with him every day in the hallway um like i would see him probably you know i'd only see him for like five or ten minutes like at lunchtime or whatever but every day i like looked for he had this way about him where he would make you feel like you were his best friend like every single person at our school was like yeah no he like i was his best friend (laughs) because that's how he would like make people feel um some people are just that magnanimous. They just, they make you, you know, you feel like a million bucks around them. Not, yeah. you know, when you run into someone that has that quality, you go like, oh, like you just feel, you just feel better. They just, they do, they, that's kind of their gift is being able to like give that to whoever they interact with. It's really sad, you know, really. Yeah. And oh, it, it's, it be, was a gift. A, a, a gut punch to hear that news, especially to think about it as, you know, the family and everyone that was around him too. That's really yeah, hard. It, that stuff is never easy and there's not there's no easy answers for this kind of thing that happens on too regular time, too regular no. basis for us. You know? Well, and I just have to say like he was ambushed and killed because he was a cop. Like it was that black and white. Mm-hmm. Like if that guy would have talked to him for like five seconds, like literally five seconds. Yeah he would have been like, this guy's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing human being. And, and I can't tell you, like, I, I, I can picture the moment Chris told me and Mm -hmm. everything that happened the rest of that night. Um, I can picture it, dude. Like it just happened. Like it is just happened like two seconds ago. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't, even begin to explain like what you just said the gut punch that's what it felt like and i just it 
tore like it just tore me apart basically and everybody i mean the first thing i did when i got back was go to the they set up like a memorial mm-hmm. with his car and his bike and stuff and people had written like uh, it was all my school it was all my school mm-hmm. kids and mm-hmm. it just yeah it just really sucks man but um i guess what i'm trying to what i'm trying to get the point i'm trying to get at is it was weird for me going through a grieving experience at a race where that had helped me process a previous the previous grief like a previous grieving experience yeah yeah and um there there was a moment because i mean and i'm still in and my school like it i my school's still gonna be grieving when we go back in a couple weeks like that's just Mm -hmm. it's just gonna happen there's gonna be the grieving process all over again when we know that he's gone you know yeah Um, well he i think once everyone's together you need that opportunity for some closure and to like appreciate the person around other people you know to 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 give him a a proper his proper due well and i was so thankful to be out there with chris who's one of my best friends who was a coworker you know, like we were there together and that was really important for me. Um, and you know, it was just, you weren't completely alone from your school community, um, of people, but on day four, dude. Okay. I'll just say this. There's a stretch of road. There's a stretch of paved road that happens on the expedition day. Um, it's down into camp and blacktop. It's not blacktop, but it's like, it's like a road, you know what I mean? And every year I have had epiphanies on that road, like every single year. And so James dropped me off to get phone service. So I could call Lindsay and I was talking to Lindsay. And then I had to like close my phone and walk like a half mile back to camp on the paved road. Mm -hmm. And I just had a breakdown, like straight up. breakdown on the road but it was partially be i mean it was mostly because i could hear camp in the back like i could hear camp and it was you know i couldn't see it but i could hear it and i could hear people laughing and i just in that moment i'm just like i need to get back to this group that was just like emanating like positivity i don't know how else to describe it i know it's kind of like weird and it was probably all going through in my own brain, but like it felt like you could feel that positivity in the distance. And in that moment, I'm like, I just need to get back there because that's like a safe spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're going to get uplifted. That kind of like you feel that energy you want it in you. (laughs) You know, it's healing. It's endorphins. It's friendship. It's like, it's so many things. You know, that way yeah. you try to seek out on your own, but it's like it, and you can try to find on your own and through like inner peace and, and through meditation to a degree, but it's like, it's really only like that safety net of others. Like if you're falling, that safety net of people being supportive will catch you and bring it and lift you back up to where you were. You know, it's, 
it's you know it's why we have wakes it's why we gather together and share stories with other people it's just you know it, the healing power like <laughs> what's the worst punishment that they can give you if you're in prison solitary confinement yeah <laughs> you know it's like yeah. they remove you from people yeah um, that's why this last year has been such an, an odd experience for so many people it's like being around one another is it speeds up the healing process it does all those things yeah you know? well and it i guess my epiphany was just like i mean it's simple but it's just the idea of like every single action you have you either do with love or you do with hate like you know what i mean like you're either doing something positive or you're doing something negative yeah and even if you're doing something and you're not like intending it necessarily to be a negative thing but if it is then that's what you're doing and that causes ripples and that'll affect someone in a negative way and then they'll do something negative that'll affect someone else in a negative way um or you could go like vice versa where you're doing something positive and then that affects someone in a positive way and then they affect other people um and it's like something even as simple as like i don't know dude i got like i don't know if this is like going to be a rant but i got on the news today like just our denver news because i was like i haven't been on the news forever like all summer Mm -hmm. and just the headlines the headlines like are not positive dude they're not and it seems like it seems like right now everyone's not everyone i always i feel bad when everyone goes on rants and then just says everyone (laughs) everybody yeah it's tough but it feels like right now there's a lot of putting people on teams you know what i mean like I, you put, you see someone on Facebook, you're like, they're on that team. That team is not my team. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Or they're on your team. You're like, good for them. They're on my team. Yippee Kaye. You know, like <laughs> that's what you, what we're seeing. And even like a news article, which I'm sure like whoever wrote some of these things that I read on like nine news, like I'm sure they're like, I'm just doing my job, but I'm like, it feels like your job is putting out a lot of negativity out there. Yeah. It's the, the negative reverberations that come from those actions and, and those thoughts and, and those words. It's, it's that positive vibration. It's like, you want to be a part of that, putting that energy out as much as you can. It's and tough it, too, because we, you know, we seek out news and it feels like every day there's news you know, every day. There's honestly, every day there's not something really newsworthy, Yeah, <laughs> but in order to get eyeballs, you must make it appear to be newsworthy. And then and that's, you must, that's difficult too. And then you um, have to make it like be popping with the headline and yeah. it's gotta be something. And it's just, it's too much for us to comprehend. It's too much for me to comprehend. Yeah. You know, if I'm only looking at the world through this screen, through this weird way of like filtering what the world actually is to me, you know, mm-hmm. like I think about the movie, taxi driver to bring it back to movies and in taxi driver you have this character who's like a disturbed guy like he just straight up is he's and i just remember in college like some people would have like his picture on the wall and stuff and they're like yeah man he's a vigilante and i'm like Mm -hmm. i don't know man that guy seems really messed up and like (laughs) yeah yeah i think you're right and so in that movie, I heard someone describe it this way and I'm like, whoa, that's a genius. But it was basically like he was seeing the world through this like glass, like 
prism of his taxi, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. how he was viewing it. He wasn't really interacting with the world in this no. movie. He no. was actually just visualizing it through this, right? And, and now that's what we do on our phones. You know, if we're only on the internet, we are visualizing the world through this certain prism, this certain way of visualizing the world. Yeah. And from someone who's been out in the world for real, like it's not <laughs> that simple, dude. It's not no. that you can't put people on teams. You just can't, you know, no. like people are way more complex than that. They're way more complex. And that's what I loved about, that's what I love about Deseret is like, you see people for who they are and you realize like, man, this is a complicated, like, you are a complex, fully realized human being. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't know, man. That was a weird rant. Sorry. Well, <laughs> it's not that weird because I've been hearing you talk. It's not that weird. I've been hearing you talk about like what you've learned through understanding the people that are in this race and why it was important for you to do it. The, like you said, epiphanies that, you, that came from this and, and other races in the past. And I mean, one of the themes... I don't know, but one of the things that you've talked about is just exactly that. It, if you look at a person and then you immediately go category, 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 category. Yeah. White, male, bald, like whatever. It's like, and then immediately they're in this category and you've attached all these additional attributes to them. And not a single word has been spoken, not a single, like, not a piece of bread has been broken, you know? <laughs> like, but then, as is always the case, it's like a very simple conversation will reveal this person is more layers and more depth than I was giving them credit for. And it's also defying the, uh, the assumptions that are made right up front uh, on first viewing. And it's like the don't judge your books by its cover. You get to learn a lot about <laughs> Um, you see a lot, a lot of different books, a lot of different covers out on the desert rats. And, and some of them don't really look like they should be out there running yeah. and they finish it, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they, at the very least, they defy expectations by finishing the race. Um, but then I would imagine back at camp to learn their backstory too. It, it's, you get to realize we, we all come with our bag of hammers. We all got our baggage and the stuff that we're bringing to the table and we're all trying to process through it. And some of those things are individual and to themselves, but God damn it, if they aren't shared (laughs) and like you're, it it is also very comforting to, to when you're going through some level of tragedy that you may or may not have like seen coming. um, Boy, is it comforting to have someone say like, I've been down this path. I know it sucks, but trust me, like you get out of this. You're going to come out of the woods on this one. Trust me. I've been down that follow me i'll show you the way yeah like goddamn, does that help or just <laughs> like or just a big hug or just a squeeze of the hand you know what mm-hmm. i mean like that communicates so much but i mean i just think i just want people to give people like i just want people to give people a chance you know what i mean like just yeah. give them a chance like even if you think they don't think like you chances are like 95% of what they think is exactly like what you think. You know what I mean? Like our differences are so small compared to our similar similarities. 
and but it's, it's I mean, like you, I mean, to go back to the news and what we hear every day, you would be, you've heard that we're more divided than we've ever been. All the time. That's like one of the, the things. It's the, it's, the, it's a motif that you hear about all the time. And boy, if we haven't learned in the last few years that conflict uh, and fighting drives a lot of ratings. Um, and boy, are things more important than ratings. But it, um, and it seems like they can also drive other horrible things to happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Yeah. I don't know, man. But yeah, it's the whole, like, we've never been more divided. I'm like, freaking step outside your computer, dude. Step outside (laughs) your computer, talk to somebody. I like that. And then, and then tell me the same thing. Like, I don't know. I like step outside your computer. (laughs) I don't know what that phrase is, but I'm putting it on a shirt. I'm not kidding. Yeah. And I've been trying to as well. Like, I mean, I'm trying to put my money where my mouth is on a lot of things. And like, Mm -hmm. it's hard. Like, I get it, dude. Like all my communications on my phones with my friends, I know, with people I care about getting people. I mean, I'm staring, I'm staring at a series of three screens and I'm working (laughs) on all over. I'm I'm, I'm on a screen all day long. And then when I walk away from the screen, I usually have my phone strapped to my arm for like a run. Yeah. And as soon as the run and like a shower is done, I'm kind of immediately like, so here's my challenge, Brady. You got to step outside of those computers, man. Oh God, that's fine. It just you just moved your terrible cat from one. <laughs> I can't stand your cat, Chris. <laughs> All this positivity talk. Yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the positivity and, and <laughs> positivity reverberates. But is, is he attacking you right now? Is no, he's he, a nice he cat like, thing, or is he doing a mean cat thing? He's a fine <laughs> no he's not <laughs> he's objectively a jerk <laughs> um but yeah man i don't know i mean I, I don't know i think that actually what we just talked about though really has kind of it opened my eyes to this whole experience in a completely weird and unique way i'd say yeah and i'm yeah, hoping I mean, that 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 immediately became a little bit of a different thing. I mean, yeah. with the, for that tragedy and, and to hear that news and the making of just unexpectedly, I mean, absolutely you're taking in that week a little differently than you were going to otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's hope, like on all things, like after death there's resurrection and like you can make something from that bad news will direct you in a creative manner or with like, like you said, you can choose to react with either love or fear. Yeah. Like you said hate before, but I would I would categorize the two choices as love or fear. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's original by me. <laughs> I think someone else decided to do that claim it. Time. Claim it, dude. Claim okay. it. Um, <laughs> I think like Star Wars, honestly. But oh, it was uh, a, it was a Yoda quote? Is that what you're saying? It's something somewhere in there. Well, he's when always, you talk, he's always there. When you talked about like what my friend had who which was a gift when you mentioned that i was like i never thought of it that way what do you mean I'm sorry. like you mentioned like when i was just talking about like how my friend gordon was mm-hmm. like just his calmness and his peacefulness and his positivity you mentioned it as a gift and i'm like well, yeah 
you know what? It is a gift, dude. And that's what you give people. And it's you, true. you have the opportunity to do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us has the opportunity to give that gift to other people for them mm-hmm. to have and also for them to like re-gift, you know? Like I'm a total yeah. re-gifter, dude. Yeah. I'll re-gift that all day long. Well, and it's funny because it can just be in, it can be in small ways. You know, there, there are fun, there are kind of fun, bigger ways of doing things like share, uh, spreading positivity. This has got a couple different ideas in my mind. I was thinking like the more tan- tangible kind of fun ways, like, you know, you go to Starbucks in the morning and pay for the person behind you. Yeah. That's kind of a nice little thing. And then you kind of hope that they do the same for people behind them. Do you remember our- But you know what? I'm going to challenge people to do this. Just turn around and say hi. Like, be like, what's up, dude? Well, I was going to say- That's good. Small, Make a dumb joke. way that you've talked about too is like, you smile while you run you wave and say hi yeah that i mean you're going for a run and people a lot of people listening to this are likely going to be going for a run at some point <laughs> and you've talked about that you're like i well at one point you said like i think i'm an introvert and then you go dude i think i'm an extrovert and then you were challenging your ways to like exercise your extroversion and be more social and be less closed off and not have the earbuds in as often as isolated in your little bubble. And one of those ways that you said you're doing that is by waving at people and smiling. And you've had someone, a, a person or two, and this is in Danville, Virginia, I remember you say, um, has actually like stopped you and said like, you're always smiling when you're running. And I love that. Like, and they, and that's a small gesture, but gosh, if you don't run past someone and you're like, that's, smiling goofy bastards always out here like and it's, it'll put a smirk it's a little thing but it, it, it'll put a little a little sparkle a little twinkle on the day and that's a small thing but boy if it doesn't have those little reverberations i one of the things i was thinking about you talked about taxi driver as a movie i which i hated that movie by the way let me just say okay. that. sorry moving on is it the movie pay it for where this, this concept never seen it it's i think it's Haley Joel Osmond is the kid and can't watch him. He's too scary. Well, he, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and well, uh, and I think it's like Kevin Spacey too, but like, so anyway, the, our calculus teacher, Dennis Inman, do you recall? He's our calculus teacher. Yeah. He teaches calculus. Uh-huh. One of the requirements for the assignments that he had is that he required that we, you know, it's funny to require, volunteer work you know what i mean um but like he required that we go out and um, complete an act of altruism like once every quarter and it's just like a random act of kindness document what it is tell him what it is write it down a little like essay like whatever but he would have us go and commit an act of altruism where it's just for the goodness of your heart you decided to help someone in some way and i thought that was just like brilliant and i think that concept is in the movie pay it forward and maybe he saw it and was like i'm gonna do that in my classroom okay um, but it, when you're talking about positive reverberations and little acts of kindness and like how you make a difference in those different ways that was one of the things i was i was thinking about and remembering i honestly can't remember what it led me to do in that in my senior year of high school like when that when i had him as a teacher but it you know i think we rang a bell at fairway together oh my gosh do you remember this uh, to get donations around christmas time yeah and, and i like had weird... i had this goof like dude 
I don't remember, you remember specifics? I remember we were. We I remember so many specifics. Back. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. I can hear you. All right. So me and Brady around Christmas time. And I didn't, I don't, I, it's funny you mentioned this because I didn't remember actually like why we were doing this. Like, was there, and now you're telling me there was like a high school assignment, which as a teacher, I, I will say it's, it's so good for uh, like teenagers to do things like this and kind of like realize that you can help your community, which is cool. But um, Brady and I went and rang the, the like Salvation Army bell. Salvation Army. That's and amazing. we're, it's around Christmas time. So we're, you're wearing a Santa hat. Okay. And I'm wearing this thing. It's like, it's a, it's a Santa hat, but there's like presents taped to it. And there's like a like spirally thing at the top. And it like, uh-huh. it kind of like, uh, springs back and forth like it looks so ridiculous right and we're sitting out there and we're ringing the bell and we're we're having the best time like we're, we're, we're basically heckling everyone that's buying groceries <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're probably ruining some days but at least we got i think we got a couple good laughs out of it <laughs> so we're just being like obnoxious and yeah. you know we're loving it though like we're just gig- like laughing and giggling yeah. and all this stuff all of a sudden coach holler walks up can you describe coach holler he's one of our he was our linebacker coach defensive coordinator for football he's just very matter of fact right yeah and like to us too like yeah yeah he just calls you by your last name ford enriquez (laughs) yeah you know and he's just scowling a little bit like all football coaches he's too loud (laughs) it's like too loud for public (laughs) He always had some. He had some great one-liners. He had some great coach. one-liners. I will. I don't know. I can't repeat, but he had some great one-liners. <laughs> so, so he walks up into fair into fairway, and we're wearing like Christmas hats, giggling, <laughs> yeah. like we're rosy cheeked. We're laughing. We're having a good time. Yeah, and <laughs> he walks up, and he just—it's like we're—it's our senior year, you know. Like we've already had football. Like we're done with football at this point. Mm-hmm. And he just starts like, you know, doing what you would do as a teacher, which is just like, Hey, how's your, you know, what are you up to? Like, where are you going next year? Like asking us, yeah, "Yeah." but like, he's really serious asking us this. And so we instantly dropped the like giggly nature and we just start seriously answering his questions. Like, Oh yeah. With still, still with ridiculous hats. Like, yeah. So I'm thinking about uh, business management and, uh, you know, I have a marketing minor might be in my future. You know. What about oh, you, Ward? Oh, oh, oh. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm actually, uh, I'm going to Wartburg College up in, do you know, do you know Waverly? Oh, you do? <laughs> you do know Waverly? They're division three. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go up there and study we're, biology. We're putting as much bass in our voice as we can. My hat's we, going back and forth. Like, we're just trying <laughs> We might, as well, we might as well be wearing a tuxedo t-shirt. It's like, who, what goofball are we talking to right now? <laughs> We're How thinking much about- has changed, by the way? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's still pretty similar. That's true. I mean, yeah. Exactly. This faking adulthood. Nah, man, I don't even fake it anymore. I don't even, I don't even try to put on the serious face anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just like, I'm going to try to be myself as much as I can. <laughs> But, but you're yeah. honored, dude. It's dude. not that big a deal. <laughs> I mean, I told you when I worked out with the Iowa governor, 
whatever his name was. What's Johnny his face? What? No, it, was the, it was the old governor. What's his face? Vilsack. Not Vilsack. The what? other dude. What's uh, his face? He had like a mustache. You know what I'm saying? Dick O'Brien. I don't know. Not Mike Dicka. No, not (laughs) not Mike Dicka. Dude, Terry, 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 my man. Bradshaw. Not Terry Bradshaw. Branstad. Terry Gross. Terry Branstad. Do you remember Terry Branstad? No, but uh, clearly not. He was Iowa's governor, right? So he was governor for the longest time. I don't even know what party he was affiliated with. Don't ask me. I don't even know. It was one of one of two. Yes. Um, <laughs> 50 50 shot here. 50-50 shot. Anyways, he ended up being the president of Lindsay's uh med school for a little oh. while, like the Des Moines University. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't governor anymore, but then he became governor again, right? But he's still the president of her med school. There's this weird like overlap, right? And so every single morning at six in the morning, mm-hmm. I would go into the workout center to do all my workouts. Mm -hmm. And the only other person there was Iowa's governor and his wife. Would he be there before you? No, dude, I don't let the governor beat me. Are you kidding me? What? I was like, how, well, I'm in, I was like, like I said, that's pretty. No one beats me to the gym, Brady. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'd walk in every morning and, uh, then they would get there after me. Sorry. I was about to tell the story. Like they were already there. But anyways, so I would go in though, and they would be the only two other people there. And Terry Branstad would always wear like a gray hoodie and gray pants and just slowly walk around the track. Like not slow, like he was going, he was going for it. Like that was a workout, you know? And then his wife would be on the uh, elliptical or like the stair stepper and she would be watching Home Improvement every single morning, (laughs) every single morning. I don't one, think so, Al. Like one. Tim. Like, I don't I'm, think so, Tim. <laughs> Sorry, I messed it up. <laughs> I'm not like that much of a fashionista, but like the gray hoodie with the gray. Sweatpants, I wouldn't do it. I sweat too much. It's, it's not a good look. It's a it's a look of someone that maybe has given up. Yeah, it's but to not, speak is not a good look. To speak to the point of just. Yeah, was there a point to any of that? Yeah, what there's a point. Me okay. being. This is when I'm like, I'm just going to be myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So finally, one morning, I'm in the locker room, and I'm, like, sitting in my boxers. And Terry Branstad walks by, and he just kind of, like, looks at me for a second. Like, we make eye contact for a second. And I just go, what's up, man? Good morning. Like, (laughs) good morning, man. And I call him man. (laughs) Yeah. And he just looked at me and just, like, eyes forward after that and just kept walking. (laughs) Didn't say a single word. And I was like, man. Deep voice. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? What's up, up, man? What's up, my dude? (laughs) But he he missed an opportunity that morning. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, this is what I'm saying, dude. Don't, like, make eye contact with people. Talk to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, what a weird way to end it. I mean, that is, I mean, I, anything that we want to talk. <laughs> yeah, give us a chance to circle back to anything desert rats that you haven't said that you want to say. I mean, you said something about summer adventures. Uh, anything yeah, you, we're anything not getting to summer adventures today okay. on this one. I'm, okay. We'll have to do another one. But anything, anything making of on desert rats? You talked about your crew. We talked about day four stretch of road, the epiphany, just the, the serendipity of having more, more than one surprise guest show up between Thomas Mullins and then <laughs> Tim. 
Uh, Chilling's friend, uh, Josh. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, I don't know. I like, I just I guess you I want you want to say about like you just completed the filming of your first attempt at making a documentary. That's amazing. You just reviewed it. You put it all together. It's pretty it's pretty wild. Yeah, thing. I've watched all the footage now, and it's it's really interesting because I get to see the other guys' perspectives that were. You filming. think you think people oh, are going to enjoy? I have to this? shout out. Like, I have to shout. We had one more filmmaker. Sorry. Oh, oh. Um. So we get to the finish line and. Uh, my friend Tim, his son Micah, is like nine. Yeah, and he had a GoPro, and he's just like, we're talking to him and stuff. And I was like, hey man, do you want to be a part of our film crew? And he was like, yeah. And so we set up his GoPro to the right settings, and we let we're Paul was directing him on how to get the shots that he wanted and stuff. Oh, and he's so, going to be a, he's shorter. He's going to be a different angle from everybody. Else. He was. And different. yeah, Paul's directing him. And like, <laughs> it was so much fun, dude. I love it. I could better get like a screen actors guild. He's going some, to, I don't, I, mean, I don't even union by the end of this. You know? I don't know what a screen actors guild thing is, but he's going to be in it, dude. He's, it's going to, he's going to be part of the, the ex- additional footage by dot, 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 you know, I, I know, and, and I would imagine the goal is like the top, but like, do you have any idea where people would be able to see this in the future? This is, or that's so far down the road, it's hard to know. Yeah, man. I mean, that's obviously something that will be discussed as we're going through. Yeah, I know it's whole, like an impossible. That's like, you know, there's, it's just funny. There's the like, what do you do before you actually go out and film? What do you do when you film? And then what do you do afterwards? And right now we're in like the post-production stuff, but like the plans aren't set in stone whatsoever. No, it's all, it's and very it's, much like tentative right now. Well, it's one of those things, man, where you're like, you, it's such a big goal that you have to do it step, one step at a time. You know right. what I mean? Like if you don't, if you get ahead of yourself, you're, yeah. it's too much, dude. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like there are like a thousand steps in this whole process and you have to do them one at a time. If you... Yeah. And obviously, like, have the discussions and things like that. But right now, we're in the cataloging footage, um, kind of, like, writing how we're imagining it being put together. Mm-hmm. And then we'll edit. Josh will edit it together, put the pieces together, and then, obviously, you'll kind of tweak that from there. And, and I imagine there's maybe some additional interviews, some additional narration, yeah, some additional, yeah, like, so. some, some more creative processes that might happen even after the, the race is done. It's like, if you want to go revisit anyone's story. Um, well, and it's, it's just, it's interesting because it's like, we experienced this thing that happened and it was life-changing, not only to the runners, but to us who experienced it. Um, and now what we're trying to do is what's the best way of telling that so people can experience and like, it's, you know, you know, like it's just with the podcast, like you mentioned, like when someone comes on and tells a story about a race and you're picturing it, you know, you're not getting the whole story. Even with this, yeah. it's like you, we're trying to figure out what's the best way where people can get the, the biggest idea of like what we went, what everyone went through out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and the racers, like, dude, I, I just can't say it enough. Like, Rewatching the footage is just like cementing in my head. Like these people are like, I really look up to them. Every single one of them, every single person who was out there giving it a shot, who battled through the adversity of the week and, you know, 
and all the bumps and bruises along the way and blisters and all that stuff along the way. Like, like I just, I really truly look up to each and every one of them. Do you feel any awkwardness? Like it's one thing before the race starts to get some pre-race interviews with some people, but it's another thing for someone to have be having a breakdown temper tantrum yeah. low moment. And then for you to just be like, this is great footage. You oh, know, right dude. I mean, like well, any awkwardness or like, uh, reservations about yeah, exploiting sure. someone's pain. <laughs> I mean, I, there was a couple of times where I like asked, like, is it okay if I film in this mm-hmm. moment, you know, cause I could see the moment was really hard for that person. And I was like, I can't just do that. Like I have to ask, <laughs> you know? Um, and there was a moment on day one where I just didn't film because something happened and it was like to a a person I looked up to, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were going through a really, really, really hard moment. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to like be exploited, exploitative, exploitative. I don't know how to say that word, Mm -hmm. but you get the point. Like, I just, I was like, I don't know if they would be comfortable in this moment and I don't want to, that's not me. Like, I'm just not going to do it. And so instead of choosing to film, I chose to help. And I feel better about that choice. Even after looking through the footage and I'm like, Oh man, like we missed, that's kind of a significant thing that we missed, but also like, whatever, screw it, dude. Like that was not the important thing. America's funniest home videos moment of like the kid falls over and like hurts himself and everyone laughs. We're like, Hey mom, dad, put the camera down. Go help the kid out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Except it wasn't funny at all. And no, it was, yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, there were, yeah, that was interesting. It was just a weird experience, Brady Manriquez. Like, but now I also get why not everyone goes and does this just because of the amount of, Nonstop work. That documentary is a yeah. is one of my favorite categories to sort through. I me too like, easily. I, like I like nonfiction. I like reality. I like to kind of see real human um, experiences interacting with difficulty or new something new or whatever. I I like the category, and so like I'm I'm one of those folks that goes into the little filters goes the categories goes documentary and so many of them it's like there's 80 hours of filming required for a 15 second thing of a you know of a snow leopard you know it's like (laughs) holy cow the work that goes into this the amount of volume that you have to sort through after the fact is is daunting it's it's like you you know do you know what you're taking on because you got to film so much and then you got to review all of it well and that's the ultra runner <laughs> lessons <laughs> no. to apply right is just one step at a time you know yeah. like keep yeah. moving forward you can do it slowly you can even stop and catch your breath but mm-hmm. there's it's one step at yep. a time and i have scenes in my brain based off of the footage that we have that give me chills and make mm. me cry like mm. i'm so excited dude so um I know you're not one to uh, advertise or plug or whatever, but like if someone wants to help support this project, is there anything that they can do? I, at this point, you know, we did the Indiegogo campaign and that felt so awkward plugging that. So (laughs) (laughs) that was another paradigm shift I had to face. So against, uh, (laughs) not against, but just, I just, 
I feel like it's, it's not me, you know? Yeah. Um, Um, I understand. But there's probably ways, there's probably ways. Um, keep just keep listening to the podcast, I guess. Like I'll update people as we go. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, we'll have some guests who did desert rats. And I think I, I, cause I just interviewed this couple, Jeff and Tanya and, but I didn't interview them about desert rats. They just, I, we did a little bit, so there'll be a little bit here and there, but they mentioned to me during the race that they had biked from the Arctic circle to Argentina over two years. And I was like, I have to hear about this, but I was so busy, you know, working on doing the film that I was like, I came in barely I want to listen to that. Yeah, man. So next week you can listen to that. No. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'll do. I'll put that one up after this one. Just another question that came to mind. I know we're we're over time. I'm sure we got to end. But like, I just keep thinking of another random one. But so this race has not like consumed you, but it's been a bit of an obsession. I mean, it's it's been a bit of like a yeah. There's a there's multiple chapters of this story of this race. Do you have any idea, like, what what is the next one that you want to get like engulfed into? Like, which one is which one is gonna like I don't. are you gonna throw yourself into? And are you ever gonna try and do another stage race? Uh, stage, yeah, the stage race. Yeah, because that um, format. I don't know if you have another format, another race with that format available. But this one's closer to where you live, so it's a little more doable. And yeah. why you were there, but. Um, do you have I'm, anything that you've been daydreaming about? Any races <laughs> that you've been, that you come back to and you think about every now and then? I haven't figured that out yet, man. Um, nothing's really like, like even the Iowa, our Boonville race, yeah. it was like, I have to do a race in Iowa. Like that was the, yeah. what sparked that. I love stage racing. I I truly really enjoy the friendships I've made with the crew of this race and the racers who have, you know, like people come back and do it again a bunch of times. And I think that speaks to the group of people that go out and help and put it together and Reed and Kyla, the race directors and, um, all that. Um, well, I, yeah, I know if you don't have one, here's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Let's go. If you've already done one in Iowa, do another one in Iowa make it your hometown and do the wildcat dash oh uh, okay which is and it's your favorite place on earth it's wildcat dash. but so maybe maybe i don't know i don't know if that's even a serious thing but i do actually know a handful of people that have done it and uh dude maybe it sounds, like a, it sounds like a really event honestly maybe um, man like yeah i mean i love wildcat den <laughs> there's another thing from when our past conversations that you floated and i couldn't believe you actually said it out loud but you're like i'm afraid to say it so i say it, it might happen you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, I think so. Because that's... You said a hundred miler has crossed your mind. Oh. I thought you were no. going to say 200 miler. No, you said 200. Right? <laughs> yeah, that has crossed For some reason, you skipped a hundred. And you're just like, 200 seems like it's a whole other thing. It's a different like, sport. Sleeping is allowed. Yeah. Like, like recovery is, is like allowed. And you can do what you do best, which is on the run the fuck out of it every day and just eat food um <laughs> yeah is man there any 200 miler that is on your short list of ones that you would potentially get crazy and throw your name in i mean all of them i 
would be excited for. Um, the thing that I have to think about is just like how much it's a, the time commitment for the kids, you know, I I mean? know. speaking got, of as one walks in, you've got three kiddos, but so. it's like time commitment for the kids, time commitment for Lindsay, like honestly doing Deseret for three years, that's like a week, you know, yeah. each yeah. time. And it's hard. I love stage racing so much. Like I would love, love, love to do more stage races. Like that's my favorite format. I, I think yeah. it would be hard to beat um, for me personally. Well, um, I, I know you're not done with this obsession. I know Deseret's is still going to be like your obsession. You're all consuming for uh, probably another year or so. Or who knows. <laughs> yeah, but, especially like, with the film for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's absolutely something that you're still diving into and it's going to continue to like give back in so many cool ways. Yeah. But I am, I can't help but it is the favorite thing after the end of every game. What does the press immediately ask for? Like, what's what the next? Do next? Yeah. What's I don't next? know what's yet, man. Week? I mean, you'll be, you'll be the first person I tell after Lindsay. You just give you me know. the Bill Belichick treatment, like, well, next week, our next opponent's going to be a big one, and we're going to take care of it. Yeah. I, Brady, we're editing right now. Um, we're going to edit one day at a time. <laughs> I got like a cutoff sweatshirt. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> we're just going to edit one day at a time, my man. Um, yeah they're a good team if everyone executes their jobs we're uh we're gonna get it done so um any other questions <laughs> oh god i hate it I, you know I, I hate coach interviews i know but they're awesome you got to respect them because you're like they I don't want to get away they don't want to be like they don't want to be like it's the opposite of this podcast right now. Like they don't want to open up They're, They don't want to so, be like, I'm freaking no, out about the new Orleans saints. Dude. Picks, we're going to walk through them. We're not even going to practice on Tuesday or Thursday for them. Cause they're that easy. Um, their coaching staff sucks. Uh, they haven't had a defensive coordinator that is worth a damn in half a decade. So no, we don't, we're honestly on to like the week after. Yeah. That one. Hey, <laughs> we, we have, we have Tom Brady. Um, I mean, come on. Like they don't say that and they never Sorry. say, Oh, Harper's popping in. They're never like, oh my God. They're like, I am freaking out. I don't know what I'm going to do next week for the game. We don't even have a game plan. Like, we have no idea. We're on the third string quarterback, and what I don't even you know do? if he's left-handed or right-handed. What would you do? We have Sam Brownlee as a running back. This is nuts. <laughs> that was an Iowa Hawkeyes reference for you guys. Oh, 2000, 2004, Drew Tate represent uh, Warren Holloway. Um, was that the year of Mark Weissman? No, Wiseman was later. That was later. <laughs> this is the part everyone's like, let's turn this off now. <laughs> yeah, well, that happened a long time ago. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's on Ragbri, dude. She's doing Ragbri. What a crazy event. It's so hot out. It is yeah, she's riding a bike across Iowa in July. But um, so what was, dude, you, you brought up something. I was going to say it real quick before leaving because I do have to actually go another race to get into oh yeah i don't know man i'll let you be you'll be the first one to know after Lindsay and my family but all right guys we'll look out for the brady manriquez podcast where i reveal what his answer was <laughs> oh we could do like a gender reveal party because we're soft <laughs> now top topo chico bubbly water pample moose white claw ruby grapefruit ruby ruby grapefruit it's good though, man. Hey, I'm gonna say it right now. You've never had it. I've never had that, no, but bubbly water, and you're just taking bubbly water one extra step with the white claw, but bubbly water, it's good. I'm I'm here to say. 
I know I've been making controversial stance. I know. (laughs) But it's also like every time I drink it, I'm just like a little ashamed of myself. You know what, Chris? Grow up. Cause I'm like, I was just, I was just drinking lava water in the desert, like (laughs) a month ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, man. Well, dude, I'll make sure to give you guys updates, not just you Brady Manriquez, but everyone updates. Um, yeah, dude, I'm not sure what my next goal will be because I'm in the, still in the midst of this one for like a year, probably. So I, uh, my request at the end of this, I want another group uh episode of the podcast with yeah any number of the boonville guys or well, sweat or dude that's Calvin. what i kind I, of I want, I want another i want another uh uh group oh, we will. podcast oh i have ideas so i have fun. ideas dude but i will say that's something i actually kind of feel guilty about because once i like fully committed to doing this film project the boonville texts and my like dreams of what we we're gonna do with that yeah kind of went to the side like I, I had to, cause it was so much, so much time in the day. My it friend. was so much communication between yeah. people. And I was like, I have to, so I felt really bad. And I think I even told you guys that, but I'm just like, Oh, cause I had a plan of bringing everyone out here this summer and all that. Yeah. And just craziness. Anywho, Anywho I love you. I love you, Brady Manriquez. Aww. Thank you for coming on. All right. I'm not going to say it back. It's too weird. Hi Harper. <laughs> hi hi you want to wrap up the podcast Harper? nope she doesn't all right man i gotta let you go <laughs> see you buddy Is that, you, need, you need a sign off like i don't i i know i don't have a sign one off. big foot at a time hey just take life one big foot at a time one what big t-shirt what was the t-shirt idea earlier i don't know you usually write those down i didn't write it down yeah Maybe that'll be what we do next. We just make t-shirts with stuff on it about stuff. Anyways, guys, just want to say to you out there, taking it, taking it one, one big foot step at a time. You're a, we'll work on it. I don't know. All right. See you, All man. Right, bye, everybody. Bye. All righty, ladies and gents, if you're still around, hour 53 later, holy moly. Um, I want to say thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, obviously, some of that was d- kind of difficult for me to share because um, it's something, you know, the grieving process, still going through it. Uh, but it really did kind of the whole experience kind of opened my eyes to like, what's, what is important about this stage race? What's important about human connection on this level in this weird way where you're all broken and stripped down and tired and worn out. And like, what, what does make this have that special vibe that I felt walking back to camp? And, uh, I'm hoping that's something we can, we can really show, um, you know, that's that's like a big lofty goal of mine is like if somehow we can affect that message of look what look what's to gain when you actually take time to to get to know somebody you know and really see their their strengths and see them for who they are which is always for everybody a complex human being rather than uh you know rather than like your initial 
like a challenge your initial assumptions, I guess, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so that, that would be cool. I want to say one more thing and I almost put in the intro and then I realized the intro was 12, <laughs> 12 minutes long. So I was like, I'm not going to put it there. Um, one thing that I thought was for me was something that made this such a special experience and something so unique of anything I've ever done in my life was just the collaboration of a film of, of art at, of this form, you know, um, because I had, you know, I have my vision of the project, um, while I was out there filming James, our director of photography had his vision while he was filming. Paul has his vision as he's filming and thinking of the story and, and things like that. Um, Cornejo, he had his vision and it's so cool, dude. It's hard to describe, but you're combining like what the final project will be is not just a singular vision. It's all of ours together. It's this wonderful collaboration that I personally really enjoyed. And I think it speaks to just what great guys I was working with on that, on the filmmaking aspect. But like you have this, this thing that, that will, will be out. That's all of our visions kind of meshed together, like molded together. But then you think of it even on a different level, you have the racers, they're contributing parts of themselves to this thing. Um, you know, and you have the race directors, Reed and Kyla, like they're contributing parts of themselves. Like they invent, they made this race. Like, so that's part of themselves. And now you have all of these, this community that's really come together to make this thing that will hopefully have a positive effect in people's lives. Um, and it's a little bit of everybody giving, giving of themselves, like giving parts of themselves to this to this project and you know even just watching the footage i could see that because i'm like whoa i gotta see like what the other guys filmed you know and what they were able to go out there and capture and you know it, it's different it's unique it's different than mine like it's something only only paul would have an eye for that i would never have even thought you know or james you know and now we get to combine all of these things into this into this project and it's the collaboration at the level that I've never experienced it. Um, Cause I've been thinking about this. Like I've been parts of sports teams, I'm, you know, a teacher. We obviously are very collaborative in teaching in our classrooms, in our schools, um, even at home, like, you know, as a dad, like your family's collaborative, but this is something that to me just felt so unique. Um, and I think part of it is, you're going to have a product at the end that is your like is a representation of your collaboration like you don't always see that in your day to day like maybe you do on a sports team like you won the game like you you worked together and win the game but you don't always see it um you know as a parent at home of your household like you're in the midst of it 24/7 like you don't always see the collaboration. Um, and this you actually will. And I think that's going to be really special. It was special to me to experience and it was such a positive vibe the whole entire time. It's carrying over like a wave to me. Um, and I'm hoping 
to share that with all of you guys. So uh, that's going to wrap it. We're going to stop right before two hours on this podcast. So um, thank you guys for listening. If you're listening at this point, <laughs> thanks for sticking in there. Uh, Indiegogo people expect an update, some videos and stuff from the event in a few weeks. So, uh, but yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. I don't want to wear you out on it too much. Um, next week we are talking to a few of the racers, uh, but we're going to talk about a previous adventure they had for the most part. So, so yeah, join us then. It's going to be awesome. It's about a bike ride from, uh, the Arctic circle to Argentina and like what that takes, man, which is really, really cool. But all right, guys, uh, we'll talk to you then.